This is Two Guys in a Bible. Actually, three guys in a Bible today. So I'm joined, as always, by uh, Eric Leupold. Uh, this is a conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. Eric Leupold is with me. And we yes, also, I am right here. Are you, are you, are you here? I am present. I, I can't tell. <laughs> Just kidding. We are joined this morning by the illustrious Lane Sattler. And how are you doing this morning, Lane? I'm doing well. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Lane has come on board. It, it was funny, you know, before we were recording this episode, we were talking with a friend uh, last week, and we happened to mention that we were going to do a, an episode on family. We we're going to have Lane come on, and we we're going to interview yeah. Lane on family. Yeah. And he was like, oh, wow. Psh, the, <laughs> the wisdom <laughs> on the podcast just increases exponentially. That's true. That is <laughs> I very was true. like, yeah, that's so true. That's true. Because I think... So, uh, yeah, he has had more children than you and I have combined. Combined, exactly, so, exactly. So, that, so there you go, Lane. All right, so <laughs> so we got Lane on to to kind of help help us think through, right? Like, how do we how do we model family biblically, and how do we do that well? Um, so, I mean, we would love to just kind of hear. I guess as we as we dive in, just maybe share a little bit about your background, and in particular, um, kind of how you grew up, and maybe. How, how your parents modeled uh, family to you as you were growing up and, you know, how much of that kind of carries over and, you know, kind of how, how you have then modeled the same with your kids and in your marriage. Yeah, um, I grew up in a, a very stable, um, God-fearing home. I probably carried on from my my father most of my characteristics uh, I had a father who I, I I loved and really really um, thought highly of my mother was raised in a alcoholic home and uh, that did have effects that uh, carried on in her life quite quite a while and impacted us and I don't think any of us appreciated that until much later one of the things that was apparent and I think happens in um, in all situations is there were seven siblings in our family, and we all responded differently. Um, there are things that you adapt and accept, uh, and most things you adapt and accept subconsciously from your folks, and then there's things you consciously reject. Mm -hmm. And we all responded somewhat differently. Uh, you know, there's I think the rejection part is usually a smaller part of, uh, of your personality, but mm -hmm. every child had, and this is one of the key points, every child has its own personality. The culture of the home doesn't really have um, a lot of ability to change that core personality. What it does is have... The parents have the responsibility to craft and mold and shape that personality into what God has called them to be. But uh, by and large, you are born with a certain set of inclinations and responses and uh, perspectives on life that have to be understood and, and, and cultured in the home. And so that, that ends up with a large variety, even within the same home, within the same culture, within the same uh, set of... Uh, experience and history and uh, processes and rules so um, the, I think that is one of the parents jobs right right from the get-go and you can see this uh, from the moment a child is born when you first lay him on the changing table you get a good idea of, of <laughs> what kind of person you're dealing with <laughs> that's awesome so so you grew up in a family of lots of siblings yeah and then uh, when you got married how many kids do, do you and your wife have? We have six. Okay. Uh, my wife came in from a family of two, a much wow. smaller family. That's a big change. Yeah, and uh, both of our families, our parents uh, grew up, uh, her, her parents were born World War One. mine were born during the Depression, so they both have Depression, World War Two histories, um, hmm. which, which certainly influences, uh, uh, you know, just a lot of the way we were raised. 
but uh, yeah, we that was probably one of the merging things that was hardest for Marsha was um, there are changes you make with a larger family that you don't have with a smaller family. Okay, um, things you have to do. You, you, you like eat faster. <laughs> That's one of them. <laughs> eat your dinner fast to get seconds. <laughs> um, I, I think having a large family, uh, we have six. Um, requires that you delegate tasks and responsibilities to children younger and uh, mm-hmm. more thoroughly at a young age because they you cannot um, provide the same level of over, oversight, care, and daily hand-holding with six as you can with two, um, And but it has the privilege of forcing children to pick up responsibilities that most mm. kids are capable of doing a lot more than parents uh, think or expect. Oh, that's interesting. So it kind of enforces independence. Independence yeah. and self-responsibility. Yeah. Mm. yeah, which carries over, obviously, into adulthood mm-hmm. and sets them up yeah. uh, very nicely for that. I can see how that's, that's interesting, how that works out. No, well, with, with Marsha's background, kind of, you know, in a family of, of two kids, and then in your background, was you said seven, and kind of coming together, like what was it? What were some of the dynamics that, as as you and Marsha were kind of, you know, uh, navigating some of these questions on parenting, and you know how much maybe is delegated to the kids versus how much is not, and how much is done by the parents? How did that work out? Well, I think we we didn't have to discuss it a lot, and Marsha and I probably forget uh, at this point, forty years down the road, but. Um, I think just the the daily um, activities of life force you into making those kinds of decisions and choices, and uh, she she embraced having a larger family. Uh, we didn't plan it per mm-hmm. se, but mm-hmm. those things uh, were blessings <laughs> that we appreciated and uh, and accepted. But you just you just get. Just life demands it of you, and you find yourself doing the, those things of, of necessity. Mm-hmm. There were some things that she had to adjust that, that even to this day take uh, are a little harder for her. For instance, when you shop, when you shop for, we lived in, we both grew up in small town America, but when you shop for a large family, you buy volume and you store things and you have them. And her family was used to eating hand to, hand to mouth every day. And that was, it's a little <laughs> trivial thing, but it, it's something that, it was just a pattern that was very hard for her to adjust to. Interesting. And, and mm-hmm. so a lot of times I would go shopping and I would probably err on the other side. But uh, uh, it was just, you just <laughs> adapt. And, you know, there's no right or wrong. You, every family has to feel out their situation and, and deal with it. True. Uh, oh, um, well, are, were there some other areas that perhaps you guys disagreed on? Like I know, Rick, for example, my, my wife and I, when we had our had our children uh very young we still had we had to work through like oh how are we going to discipline them how, how are we going to train them so was that a, an issue of uh... uh we talked about that and i don't think i don't think we had a lot of struggle with that we both grew up in homes where uh the parents authority was well understood mm-hmm. and established and uh really unquestioned um we both grew up in homes where corporal punishment was part of the total package of control and discipline um i think we we didn't really talk. We didn't really have a lot of disagreements on what were the critical issues which required discipline. I think the biggest differences we had were um, on on things like risk risk tolerance. 
I have a much higher risk tolerance than she did. She you mean does. like letting them do something yeah. that could be dangerous? Yes. Uh, or giving them a little more freedom to try stuff. Or uh, and sometimes it was just, it was easier for me to manage them physically because I'm much bigger than she is. Mm-hmm. You know, and if they want to run around or be a little more wild, I can handle that. She can't. So mm-hmm. she had to have um, a little more control when she had them alone. Uh, just and there and there were other things that and just in our natures I'm I'm willing to take more risk than she is and um, the, I think the kids learn to understand that and, and tolerate that um, but there were there were times when she had them alone that she had to have much tighter control than I yeah. did. so when you were home they were like oh boy we're going full hog we're well, gonna, <laughs> afterburners on running. And, and each child's different some of them it didn't matter to and others it, it did <laughs> No, that's awesome. So now, uh, you know, fast forward, your kids are, are all grown. Our kids are grown. Yeah. We never, we never got the empty nest. We still have one at home. Yeah. Um, but the other five are uh, married and out of the house, and we have nine grandchildren and yeah. uh, enjoying that phase of life tremendously. And, and you're an elder here at Hilltown Baptist mm-hmm. Church, and you've been an elder for many I've, years, right? Yeah. This is my second round of uh, being an elder. I'll be... I did six years a while back, and then I have we're on, I'm not, on year number five of, of wow. the next six-year term. So lots of experience with uh, not only managing your own household, but the household of God uh, uh, there. Yeah. I'm sure some of those, well, even as Scripture says, like, if, you know, those principles of managing your own household really carry over yeah. Yeah, into managing the household yes. of, of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to kind of talk about the biblical principles or, or passages of Scripture. I mean, I imagine that that the Bible, that God's Word, was 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 central in your home as far mm-hmm. as the raising of the children. So, uh, were there particular principles or passages that you leaned on uh, to guide you through this process? Well, maybe I don't know that I had thought through them as clearly when I was young <laughs> as I have now. Mm-hmm. But I think. Um, there's the passage in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart yeah, from it. Yeah. Um, it certainly speaks to the value of training, the training early, mm-hmm. and setting up habits and patterns because we are a pattern people, uh, and our children love uh, routine, uh, predictability. And, and so the earlier you set that up, especially at very young ages, the better it is for them along just to, to set some of those patterns but uh, some theologians have also um, understood that passage to not not necessarily mean just the way they should go as in a standard rope kind of way but according to their bent um, yeah what do you mean by that each child comes in as I've mentioned earlier with their own set of skills and personalities and uh and, and thus you have to adapt your um, your structure and training for them according to their own particular needs. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, we've, you know, as parents, you always want to be fair and equal, but quite frankly, you have children at different ages with different levels of responsibility and freedom because responsibility and freedom need to go together mm. with different needs, and you will do thing, You will need to do things differently for the child that is very outgoing or gregarious and um, energetic versus a child that is timid and um, very low risk and unsure. You, you treat them, you need to treat them differently to uh, deal with them. And so I think that was this principle, one of the core principles in, in child raising is that 
you need to tr- train them according to their needs. Hmm. And, and they will all be different. And that was, when you have a large family, that becomes very apparent. Yeah, so how do you balance that with, like you said earlier, being fair uh, and, and, and applying the rules, the standards, the same? Well, the standards, uh, this gets into another principle that we, I think, intuitively adopted without thinking, is we had very few rules. Okay. The rules were, if mom or dad tell you to do something, you do it. Yeah. Obedience has to be, I think the learning of obedience and your role under authority is one of the key things that a parent has to teach a child. The younger, the better. And that's easier with some children than it is others. But it sets them up well for life, and it sets them up properly for their relationship with God. If they understand that the parent is the understeward of the child, mm-hmm. we're in responsibility to God to raise them properly. Um, and we told them that very early on. Yes. And then our job is to teach them to obey. So that was one of the rules they had to obey. We tell them to do something, they obey. Um, and the other rules, we really didn't have a lot, but we're focused on heart issues. Um, we would see them, you know, having a battle with each other and not sharing or what have you. And we found ourselves <laughs> often saying, you're being mean or that is not nice. But, And then we would correct the behavior, not so much to say, um, Yes, you don't hit the boys. Don't hit the girls. That would be probably one of the few rules we did have. But <laughs> it really is not that's the problem. The problem is, is you're being mean to your sibling, um, and we would focus on that. So those are probably our two guiding rules: is, is obedience and how you're treating one another. Yeah. And kind of focusing on the attitude behind the action yeah. and correcting that attitude, yeah. not just the action. And and the problem with rules are is they're 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 weak. They're uh, hard to hard to implement. They're hard to enforce. They need to change over time. If you have a lot of uh, a lot of rules, I work in the pharmaceutical industry where everything is controlled and and properly uh, documented and proceduralized. But we find ourselves continually finding those procedures to be inadequate to the situations that come up. They're always having to be changed. They're always being misunderstood. Um, and it's, it's taught me that what the scripture says about the law mm-hmm. <laughs> is the law can kill. Uh, and rules, it's better not to have a rule than to have a rule that you, that you don't enforce. I see. Mm. Uh, so uh, that's, that's where the principles override. And you can say we're doing it this way for now. But to make hard and fast rules that really aren't strongly uh, grounded in the scriptures just, just sets you up for... Um, confusion with the child and mm-hmm. hypocrisy and all it has all kinds of other uh untoward uh, unintended consequences it seems like with with given the sinful nature of of humans and, and children mm-hmm. that if you just hit them with a bunch of rules that they'll 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 respond very very i don't know hostile to those i mean they might they might obey because they have to because you know they have no choice but when they get a chance they will buck the system mm-hmm. as much as they can have you experienced that? Uh, we usually didn't give them a lot of chance to do that but <laughs> again we didn't we tried to minimize the rules but you do find that if you have rules they'll find ways to use them to their advantage <laughs> yes it's there's loopholes like, find a yeah, loophole. yeah there's uh, that's the problem with rules Mm. And while oh, but you didn't say I, you said I couldn't do X, but you didn't yeah. say I couldn't do yeah, Y exactly, and that's yeah. and that's why we always went back to you're being mean or that is exactly. nice yeah um, yeah and and they got it and um, I, I 
it's not that our life was uh, smooth and easy or that we were good parents all the time or we didn't make mistakes. I think that's the other thing you have to be willing to uh, apologize for your own errors and uh, admit your own mistakes. I think the other thing with child raising is most of what um, you teach is, t- is caught and not taught. Okay, yeah, that's good. Um, so if you want them to live a godly life, you better be doing it yourself. Otherwise, you get what you, you mm-hmm. model. And um, we have looked back at, in hindsight of what our, at what our older children, or they're older now, but what they have learned and what they're doing in their own households. And I think, hmm, I don't remember teaching them that. But they learned it by observation. Oh, I see. I don't remember talking about finances, for instance, or generosity. And yet they all picked it up and are doing it well. They saw it modeled. We probably did talk about it. I don't recall. But uh, I'm, I'm always amazed that when I see it and I realize, oh, they did figure that out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and stuff we did and and they understood and i think that gets us to another scripture yeah uh, deuteronomy 6 4 through 9 hero israel the lord our god the lord is one you shall love the god with your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and these words that i command you today shall be on your heart mm. you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and you, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your heart and on your gates. And the, this passage has a lot of very literal applications as to how this happens, but I think the principle there is it's you're teaching them all the time. Yeah. It's not a separate time where we have devotions that you learn about God. Yeah. It and and there is a place for structured che- teaching. My wife and I uh, dedicated ourselves to putting them through Christian schools all the way through. We paid for that. We paid for Christian colleges. Um, that was our our investment in them. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm not against formal training, and I and I do believe um, that putting them around godly folks is part of this, but. You have to be teaching them all the time. And if you watch with a little child when they're learning language or when they're learning how just to navigate, you, you need to be explaining what they're saying, what they're doing. You mm-hmm. tell them that this is a chair, this is mm-hmm. a stool, this is a piece of hamburger. You, you, you're telling that all the time. And while you're doing that, every once in a while you throw in the whys that we do it or the whys that are made. And eventually, once they get to be two, they start asking all those whys. They always ask why, 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 why. And you let those pursue, and and inevitably we would get back to, well, that's the way God made it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, at the end of the the chain, if they push the whys back far enough, you you get to, this is the way God made the world. And... Yeah. And and it has its own beauty and order and creation. It seems like one temptation I know that, I remember this growing up, is when you ask the whys, it kind of, the buck stopped at because I said so. And it never went beyond that. And I, I don't know, I mean, how, how you experienced that with emotion. I try to, like now I'm trying to say, well, okay, it's, it, it, is, it's, it, it is quicker and more pragmatic if I just say because I said so, but maybe I should actually go to the Bible and say, this is what God has to say about that. Well, I, I think you should. Now, a child has to learn... And this is the obedience part that mm-hmm. they do what you 
you order them to do a lot of times for their own safety. Then yeah. later you can explain the whys and the wherefores. Yeah. And it and it's certainly sometimes, especially if they're arbitrary things you've decided, you say that mom and dad have decided that and God has put us in mm-hmm. order over you and we've decided this is for uh, necessary for an orderly household, but it explains that that authority structure and why. But a lot of times a lot of life isn't those kind of things it's yeah. you know why does it rain why 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 do, <laughs> why do why does the deer die you know why yeah. why and then it also gives you opportunity to talk about sin entering the world the fall in nature because they they see and recognize early on even preschool that there isn't proper order and things aren't right and mm. it's perfectly natural and orderly to say yes there's there's good and there's bad and these behaviors lead to this. Uh, bad behaviors lead to destruction. Uh, you can also call, say there's there's times when bad stuff happens, and it's amazing how young a child will get that. You keep it in a simple, simple set of terminology, but they get that early on, and I think yeah. it it helps them uh, accept the hard things of life, and also to recognize that yes, there's good and bad, and um, there's consequences to the decisions that men make yeah and they learn pretty early how to lie and how to deceive how, how did you guys was that another principle in your household regarding yeah telling li- truth? lying lying is just one of those you cannot tolerate okay that that's right along with obedience you you really you really need to nip that one as quickly as possible and as firmly as possible in the bud yeah and i and i mean before they go to school um it's just one of those things you cannot tolerate yeah um how did you how did you instill that uh, that respect for truth well, in your household? I, I don't recall this being a big issue, but we would call him on it immediately, even if it it didn't sound. And I and I still find myself doing that with the grandchildren. It's just one of those things you have to address immediately. Okay, you cannot let uh, lack of truthfulness. It just undermines everything. It undermines trust. It undermines credibility. It undermines even the way they think because we eventually believe our lies. That's mm. interesting. Mm. I mean, that's that's known human nature. We believe our lies. We convince ourselves. We convince ourselves. <laughs> um, so you really need to address that. Yeah. Uh, I think the child needs to understand, too, that you're not just there to punish them yeah they need to understand you and you need to have this heart that you want to see them succeed and they need to know that so um there has to be an overwhelming amount of uh, positive and praise and and I, i've probably been negligent on this but um <laughs> you know they need to feel that they can come to mom and dad and that they're for them no matter what happens yeah mm-hmm. And one, th- one thing I've tried to implement with my young children is, like, if you lie, it will always go worse for you. If you tell the truth, even if you still will face consequences, it'll always go better for you. Mm-hmm. So ho- hopefully they start to get that. But, but yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's... Yeah, those are, those are good, good things to tell them. Because <laughs> it's true. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's not... Uh, that's one of the things. Uh, this, I know um, some of the thoughts about children, the the patterns and the need for predictability are very important to them, but they also have, you know, as they grow, different learning 
modes and, and skills. So when they're young, uh, while their logical deductive reasoning is, is not as full as it will be when they're older, they're tremendous memorizers. Mm. You need to take advantage of that when they're little. And things like memorizing the Ten Commandments, in some ways, is still very key because you can hang or you can say, uh, when you're lying, you're not telling the truth, you're bearing false witness. Or when you're when they're being mean to a brother or sister, you can say, this is part of, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not hurt. Not murder, yeah. It gives them some place to hang uh, mm. the idea on. And, and it, they're easy. There's 10. They can memorize the 10. They can memorize uh, mm-hmm. when they get a little bit older. They can memorize the books of the Bible. You should take advantage of that and use. And song is really helpful. Or the Lord's because, Prayer. Or the Lord's Prayer or um, uh, the, the Magnificat or other prayers in the Bible. They're, they're, they're things that they can they can get. You, you know, we uh, I've worked with, my wife's worked a lot with uh, um, young children in nurseries and Sunday schools. And, songs are tremendous tools mm-hmm. for teaching and mm-hmm. you should take advantage of those because yeah. they, they will remember those things long after they've you know grown up and oh yeah I mean they watch a Disney movie and they're singing the songs yeah mm-hmm. okay. S- songs are, are tremendous uh, sources of training so yeah. when they're young take advantage of that and teach yeah. them and but, they, they may not manage all the, the deductive things but the, you can teach them principles mm-hmm. and even if they don't quite get it it later have those building blocks for then building on top of them. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads right into the the thoughts on as things as they get older and things progress. I mean, it, was there a purposeful I don't know transition or or or, fa- or like in your mind like okay now they're getting older here's what we want to try to aim for like how would you explain that to a, a parent? I, I think we you have to have the goal in mind from the get go. Okay, uh, and for me. The goal was by the time they're 16, we're done with the basic parenting. Okay. They, and the reason I picked 16 is uh, 16, 17, depending on where you live, um, is when they start driving. Mm-hmm. You've turned over a child to a killing machine. Mm. I mean, it's a big, heavy piece of equipment. They need to be responsible to manage that. Mm-hmm. And you're, ter- you're, you're essentially saying, I'm turning you loose. You have freedom to go out in the world, and, and for good or for ill, you are free. And you need to be able to morally make the responsible decisions that go with it. Mm-hmm. And at that age, they're one to two years from finishing high school. They're going to be planning on going to college. So you should have, by then, they should be essentially self ordering adults and and so that should be the goal Mm -hmm. that you're you're not teaching them stuff you're always there as a coach later on Mm -hmm. you're always there to provide some guidance but they should be managing their own life by then as far as i get myself up in the morning i know i have to do this this and this i have these projects due for school da 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 they should be self-managing by then they should be able to make those response, uh, take on those responsibilities, and quite frankly, they should be doing it much earlier. Uh, you know, and I would say, they really should be managing their own homework before they go into high school. Hmm. And like having their to-do lists and stuff like that. Whatever it takes, and each child will be different. Mom shouldn't be keeping track of. Oh, I've got this report due. I got to no. By the time in their high school, they should be doing that. 
You need to be teaching. Now, that takes a lot. And my wife was very good at this. I I give her all the credit. My kids are good students because she was a good student. But those disciplines should be learned early. Uh, We had one child who we put in virtual school for a little bit, for a few years. She was third, fourth, fifth grade. She would get up in the morning, see what she was due for the day. And by noon, she would be done. And that was without mom's help. Now, if she needed somebody to review her work or to help her with something she didn't understand, that's where mom came in. Um, but children should be, you should be setting them up to to undertake and assume responsibility for themselves much younger than I see that we're doing today. And I think that's one of the problems with young men now not... Um, not being ready to be men when they get done with high school mm-hmm. because we haven't expected them to be responsible, but you really should. And that'll help focus you on all the other things you do. Um, I, I remember we had a kindergarten teacher tell us they need to be able to dress themselves. I do not have time to put shirts and coats <laughs> and mittens on 20 uh, kindergartners. And um, you need to think about things like that. You, so you teach them young. I, we have um, one of our children has three three girls, and they travel a lot. Those girls can pack their own suitcase, and some of them are preschoolers still. And sometimes when they come to our house to stay overnight, there'll be one or two things missing. But they're learning to do that at a very young age to manage their own lives, and, they, and they're doing a pretty good job at it. Wow. So um, I, I think it's thinking like that is here's my goal. In 16 years, I'm turning them loose. You know, they could join the military at 17 and be driving a tank and yeah. and shooting an M, M16 or whatever it is. I don't, uh, <laughs> and they need to be ready. And you need to have said, um, you know, I've walked you through all these different stages of life. I'm here for counsel. You're always a mom's always a mom. A father's always a father. I do get calls, mm-hmm. you know, when they have difficult decisions, they want somebody to talk through and things like that. Or they need knowledge about a house or, you know, how to manage this, that, and the next thing. But the basic processing of um, facing goals and decisions and moral decisions, they need to have managed by the time you turn them loose in yeah. the car. So it so kind of goes along the lines of some of what you were saying earlier, right? It's not at, it's not as if at a particular point you, you are no longer parenting. It's just that what parenting looks like looks very different as they get older and as they age. Like it, yeah. it, it evolves into more of kind of a coaching role, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Less, le- less hands-on and more hands-off. Yeah. Well, yeah. and early on, it's all physical work. It's exhausting, tiring physical work. Mm. You're, you know, you're, you're clothing Brushing them, you're feeding teeth. them, yeah. you're, you're bathing them, you're doing all these things. And, and it is, it is, and it's why you have children when you're young. <laughs> so you have the energy <laughs> to do You should have children when you're young. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then it changes, you know, then you then you start throwing in once they're in school all these other schedules that you're managing and all these other activities and you're training them how to how to start interacting and managing their friends and picking good relationships and those kind of things. And then you walk them through all the major life choices in high school, you know, where I'm gonna go to school, what I what I wanna try, what I wanna think about going into college and all those. But so it so the parenting, we thought, oh, they're, they're off to college. Life will be easier. That was wrong. We really were amazed at the amount of work and effort we still apply to mm. our older children. Um, but it, it, it does shift from a management role, a strict 
physical management role to much more of a coaching, yeah. uh, supportive role. Uh, and you want to see them independent. You want to see them thriving. Uh, and and each child will go through that at a slightly different pace, mm-hmm. um, depending just depending on their birth order, their gender, you know, just what whatever else is in their personality. And mm-hmm. and and it, and it's not like it's a smooth transition. You know, some days you'll see a, a young man acting like a very responsible young man, and then other days you see him being an irresponsible little boy. I mean, the it's it's not yeah. a, you know straightforward path it's, it's two steps forward one, one step, step back yeah <laughs> sometimes beat deep valleys and the, other, <laughs> and the other thing is you want one of the important life skills is for them to know how to manage failure okay. um, parents don't like to let children fail i understand it i get it so does that like but in you, our own culture today we have like not helicopter but we have but, parents that are trying to make everyone get a, a well, ribbon and yeah. not and not only that they they don't let them fail Mm. by managing their life so closely so emotionally they can't handle a failure when it comes they need to know how to fail which means you're going to have to give them enough independence that once in a while they will fail they'll miss an appointment they'll miss a, a project they'll miss something but if you if they haven't experienced it it will come sooner or later you want it to happen and i remember having this discussion with marcia we want it to happen under our roof not when they're out on a job or, yeah. and they get fired. Yeah, or my son had an appointment to, uh, to uh, West Point, and I remember having this conversation with Marshall. I don't want him to fail when he's running a tank. Um, yeah. yeah. I want him to fail on something a little less <laughs> consequential here at home so we can manage through it. And then. Huh. Um, but one thing I know I struggle with, and I imagine other parents do, is like it's so easy just to do it for them. It's so quicker, yeah. much more efficient to just yeah. do things for them now. Training is hard work. Potty training is hard work. Yeah. Mm. And we, how did that go? <laughs> well, that's a whole other one. <laughs> we don't understand what this business is with three-year-olds not being potty trained. Mm. We just don't get it. Mm. Um, <laughs> you've missed the prime opportunities when they're one, one and a half. Two. I had uh, some Russian. Uh, I work in a, in a chemistry business primarily, and we had a lot of these chemists come with the Carter initiatives back in the seventies, where okay. we had a lot of Russians come into the U.S. And uh, one of the ladies that came in and said, "Well, if you were hand washing diapers, you would train them in six months." <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, and washing diapers. diapers. Yeah, yeah, cloth um, diapers. And yeah. we have these wonderful, we had used cloth diapers mostly, but uh, these these um, disposables are, are amazing. They allow them to go eight hours without getting diaper rash and all that because they're so absorbent. Uh, it, it, it makes it easy, but it's because the parents either aren't there or won't take the time to sit down with the child and, and train them when they're ready. And then, then it's a then it's a psychological battle because they've gotten used to not having to do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but it's hard work. You've got to be willing to sit in the bathroom for, you know, half an hour at a time with a whole series of books and read to them well, and then reward them big time when they have their successes. And and then um, some kids get it right away. Some kids take a little longer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But we've had kids train before they're two. Oh my goodness! That's fantastic. Um, that is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So, and sometimes it's really quick. If you get it at, if they wake up in the morning dry, you're ready. 
Mm. They wake up in the. This is details we probably. No, that's all good. No, that's good though. This is you know you 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 get them, you throw them on the potty, and you make a lot of fun and games out of it, and then when they accidentally have success um you you know pull out the m&ms or whatever your favorite bribe is and favorite bribe um, <laughs> it's a reward not a it's bribe. a reward and i'm not above that um and you make hey, it man. a party and but they get it pretty quickly and, and you let them see other kids doing it yeah um, yeah some kids are really motivated by seeing a little bit older kids do things mm. oh um, yes they want to be like their yeah or they want to be like dad and they want to be like grandpa or whoever you, you pet that I- I'm told that's what did it for me. I, I'm told, like, I was actually just talking about this because we were talking about it with Brielle and my folks were around, and th- this topic came up. And I was like, oh, how did, how did you guys do it with me? And it was like, oh, it was the big kids. The big kids were doing it. The big kids were going to the potty. And it's like, yeah. I want to be like, you yeah. know, but that, that works for some kids. It does. Yeah. And, uh, again, you got to find out what works. And uh, we had one that did not like having a wet diaper. He, yeah. <laughs> Huh. It didn't take him long at all. He didn't, just didn't like to feel, and pfft, he was trained. Is that your oldest son? So as as much as I love the potty training tangent, and I'm like I'm this is like selfish for me right now because I'm like right at that point where we're getting close. I'm like yes, give me all the potty training wisdom. I, I guess are there any other kind of biblical passages that have really informed your your parenting, either strategies or tactics, mm. um, before we kind of move on? Uh, I think you have to, one of the core principles here is parenting is a pre-fall mandate. Mm. It's part of the, uh, you know, God's cultural mandate to to be a parent. Mm. Before sin entered the world. Before sin entered the world. And then he repeated it at Noah's time. So you need to see parenting as a delightful, creative act that God gave us a, a chance to have as part of, it's probably the most interesting and fundamental creative thing we can do as humans Mm. and the most long lasting and uh, valuable things that we can do is to do that well so i think one needs especially in this day where people think work is more important than parenting and we need to see parenting as part of the creation mandate Mm -hmm. like 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 preeminent over even just like almost everything else you know when marsh and i sat down and figured out what we'd spend our our money on and i was a sole breadwinner most of our our lives it it all revolved around raising the children to to be ready we as soon as we started putting kids in christian school we said any raise we get from here on out goes to education and we just froze our standard of living at that point okay Um, but those are choices you make and um so i I think you need to see real value in parenting yeah did um then i know marshall's not here but would you say that, that what, did she struggle with staying at home, or did she want to go back to work? No, she didn't. Did she? She, she still not. She still stay at home. Well, we still have children at home. That's true. <laughs> yeah. um, and certainly, with she has found plenty of things to keep herself uh, busy with, productively with both our children. She's in touch with our children daily, uh, but she's also spending. We have four grandchildren locally, and she spends a lot of time with grandparenting, and so do mm-hmm. I. And it is a delight. That you cannot explain or imagine um, to have a different view on life that's hopefully a little more mature and be able to invest in grandchildren to be a different voice in their life than parents and you know to uh, be part of shaping that so she's enjoying that she's working with children here at church as well but there's 
she she really takes a lot of pleasure in the, and enjoys that and does that a lot. Nice. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was not. I mean, she she's a certified teacher, but she is now teaching at home. Our kids went into school knowing how to read. And things oh, like nice. That. Mm. Um, That's awesome. But wow. um, I did have so yeah. So the best thing you can do in raising children is to marry, marry a wonderful wife. But I was just say yeah. Praise <laughs> God for Christian life, bro. Like that's you. Step one. Step, step, step one. Step yeah. one. Get, get married <laughs> to a wonderful person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> step one. Step one. <laughs> So uh, that would be one of the principles. I I think um, the other thing I would say, I, uh, there's a lot of passages one could look at. Um, well, Psalm 127.3 is what I put on every card when I, somebody has a baby. Behold, children are a heritage from the ward, Lord. Mm. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Mm. And and you got to believe that. And, and that was like the ones like, like like arrows in the quiver. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that, like they're shooting yeah. arrows out. You know, it's like, yeah. Psalm twenty one twenty seven is, is the best bang for your buck. <laughs> the whole the whole psalm is. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. It's a good psalm. Yeah. Uh, we also spend a fair amount of time in, in Proverbs. Okay. Proverbs has a lot of practical um, life training for children, and the first part of it was a father to his son. I mean, that's true. And and the whole book itself, um, and these are not anything special particular, but one of the verses that was frequently brought up in our house was um and i'm probably abusing this it's from proverbs 16 um pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall oh yeah but it, it attacked the pride issue mm. and pride is one of the things and you know we would see it and we would warn the kids and they soon learned to recognize it themselves as a um when my ego gets a little too big, I usually fail. And um, they, they make the connections. And that's usually an older one that the kids get. Um, another one that, uh, and again, I'll uh, use the modern paraphrase, it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Um, <laughs> um, that is actually a proverb, I'm pretty sure. Like the there fool is, who closes uh, his mouth is considered, considered wise. wise. Considered yes, wise. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's the proverb it comes from. Yeah, even uh, Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. He's deemed intelligent. Um, <laughs> Proverbs are so funny, man. I love but them. But it, it um, and then there's another one that goes along with it. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Mm. And and I see my kids now reciting this to their kids. That's awesome. Mm. So um, I, I do I, I do like I appreciate the proverbs and now that you've mentioned it, like I think that it's so useful because like they're they're short, they're pithy, and kids can really I think grasp onto that like mm-hmm. memor- yep. memorization. Yep. It's very, very easy to memorize something that's short and poetic. Yeah, and and, he, they, and they get it. Yeah, yeah, it's um, so there. There have been those that we; those are probably two that come up most often. There, there's another one um, that we we joke about sometimes. Uh, uh, where there is no ox, the manger is clean, but much increase comes by strength of the ox. Oh. <laughs> so hmm. sometimes when our house is a little chaotic and not as orderly as as we would like, yeah, <laughs> that verse comes out because. Yeah, if you want to be successful, there is some chaos. There has, there, it's not a museum. It's not a museum. If you want everything perfectly in an order, then life is static and you've died. 
Um, <laughs> that's true. Seriously. Yeah, that's, and, that's a and good word. Both Marsha and I are, are order people. We, we yeah, like, me too. We're, we're both mm, firstborns. Yeah. We like things neat and orderly, especially. Uh, and, and, and we have to kind of say, all right, we've, the grandkids have been here. The house is a mess, but that's okay. Yeah. And uh, mm, That's hard. Yeah, means well, it's been lived in, right? That's yeah, like, it's and, like signs of and life. kids are gonna yeah. like like I remember just just generally, right? If you're gonna try something new, you're or you're gonna you know do something that's worth doing. Yeah, you're probably gonna fall a few times. You're gonna break some stuff a few times, but that's okay because part of that is what comes with that growth. And that gets back to that you want them to fail at home. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And learn how to deal with it and help them learn how to clean up. Yeah. Yeah. After themselves. Yeah, yeah. But it also means you have to be willing to tolerate the failure without blowing up. Yeah. Okay, now that's interesting. Um, the whole response and anger. Yeah. Well, and that that probably was another principle we had right from the beginning. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's Paul, I forget where. Um, and isn't there, and also one of the passages in Ephesians, like, don't exasperate your, your children. children. Your children. Yeah. But if they see you losing it, in whatever way, even if it's, you know, a rightfully bad situation, if you're losing it, that, that, that one, it leads to insecurity on their part. They don't see you as under control. Oh, okay. But it teaches bad responses to, because stuff will happen. Bad stuff will happen. And you cannot, anger is just not a useful response ever. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, In most situations. <laughs> I can't think of any good time where you losing it is oh, useful. Oh, I got you. Yeah. You know, just flying off the handle yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, you, the angry emotions will be there, but you, you, if, you cannot, if you cannot manage the situation, it's better to take a time out, turn it over to your spouse or whatever you need. Um, but it, we, we just did not tolerate that in the house. I mean, did you struggle sometimes? Like, 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 I don't know, like you know, blowing up at the children. Like, did you have moments where you had to apologize to them and ask for their forgiveness and things like that? I don't think I ever did it. Oh, praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Well, and I, I can tell you that's from painful experience. That's not from virtue. What do you mean by growing up myself? That was one of those things that I that I just it would not happen. You experienced yeah. a blow up anger in the home. Yeah, mm-hmm. growing up. And, yeah, and and uh, so I don't take any credit for that, but it's it's just that. That just is not allowable. Okay. Wow. And and same thing for Marsha. I mean, she's so quiet. Um, uh, she seems like she it. she likewise. Mm. I mean, but it was something we had a discussion on before we were married, even. But it it just. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I I think you need to learn to manage yourself. Yeah. And that comes back to like so much of what the kids pick up on is caught rather than taught, right? Mm. If they catch that you're flying off the handle. And you can't handle, you know, anger or anxiety or whatever it is that whatever this whatever emotion this, is. Yeah, whatever the trouble that's hit your house. Ex- exactly, and and they're the kids are seeing how that is reacted to. So I mean, what would you? How would you counsel someone who who wrestles with that? Right, who really wrestles through those kind of outbursts? And, you know, and is a parent. Um, you know, what what might you encourage them in to um, go in that way? An interesting question. Well, I think certainly there has to be. Uh, I recognize that change is not easy, and habits are hard to change. But um, to understand that 
the, the benefits of, of having that control, it's, you know, I would not focus so much on the sin of losing your temperature, temper, but both, a little bit of both, right? Yeah. <laughs> but on the harm that it's doing and, mm. and, the, and the benefits to both you and everybody around you when you gain control of what's going on, mm. it allows you, and I'm sure you see this in the military, Eric, yeah. A commander cannot command when he's out of control. No, that's scary. He can't make good decisions. He can't see what needs to be done. He can't take the corrective actions necessary right now to fix the problems and get things in order, yeah. calm things down. You, and that's part of, you are gonna, you are the master of your house. And you can't master, be the master of your house when you're out of, out of control. You that's just true. can't. That's mm. true. Because something and, else is the master then. Yeah. Well, Someone. and nobody is. Yeah. Chaos is raining, yeah. and you're letting it rain. Mm. Yeah, and you have to be the master of your 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 little world. But it seems like to to first be the master of your house, you have to be the master of yourself. Well, that's what I mean. And you oh, have to yeah. be. You can't master your house if you can't master yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so, for somebody for whom that's a struggle, you 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 know, you might encourage them not so much in saying, you know. This is this is bad, you know. Just you know, mm-hmm. kind of coming down with the finger. But you might say, look, um, these are things that you want to pursue for the benefit of your children. These are things that you want to pursue for. I mean, and you know, it's part of the fruit of the spirit, right? Is is that self discipline, that self control, um, which only comes in from Christ, which like comes submission from Christ, to Christ, exactly. Right? So ultimately, like if if somebody is a parent who's out there and really struggles with those kinds of uh, you know control over over those states in front, you know, in particularly in, fr- in front of children, you know, pointing them back to the cross, pointing them back to Christ and to the finished work of the cross and to know that in union with Christ, they have that fruit of the spirit of self-discipline mm. and self-control. And they are, they are so capable and so able to, um, you know, with Christ's help to overcome some of those things and to calmly say, Yes, okay, you just threw a plate across the room. <laughs> you know. Um, at your sister. At your sister. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But now like let but now let's talk about that, right? This is not the kind of thing that you're just gonna um, you know, start screaming and cursing and da 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 da. There are other more useful ways yeah. of going about it. Huh. And it doesn't mean there's there's absolutely maybe discipline, right? There's absolutely yeah. Yeah, and discipline. I've for tried, that kind like of I don't know how main how you and Marsha handled that. Uh, you mentioned corporal punishment, but like I mean, in our home, we 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 utilize spankings uh, mm-hmm. and things like that. But you know, I try to make sure that you know, even though I do feel angry at what's happening, I don't want to lose control. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it needs huge. to be. It's very it's very methodical. Like yeah. this is why I'm doing this to you mm-hmm. because this is what you did wrong. And then we do the discipline. And then after we're done, I say, this is why you just got what you mm-hmm. got. Now let's go reconcile with, you know, you, you, you just hit your mother out of anger. So now we're going to go, you're going to go apologize mm-hmm. to mama because of what you did. And that's why you got yeah. daddy's discipline. You and, know? and you'll have to do, you'll have to tailor it to each child. That's true. But yes, you need, they, and each, each child will respond differently <laughs> to those things. Mm. But yeah, they need to, they need to have that. And it's, and, and I won't say it, you know, anger is just one uh, outburst of anger. is just one emotional response. There are other emotional responses I can say I, I haven't done well with. I mean, you can get yourself into a pity party. Life's bad. And you can handle this inside, 
but then you miss what's going on and i can't tell you the number of times there's something's been going on and i'm i'm lost in one of my own private pity parties <laughs> and and i'm not seeing what's happening in my house sometimes really good stuff sometimes not so good stuff but because i'm just focused on my own oh your own stuff you're in your, your own, own stuff world, yeah. yeah my own hurts and so forth um so those things happen and 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 yeah it's all part of learning to master yourself but certainly keeping the outbursts under control yeah and it's necessary for children i've got some grandchildren they're very explosive right now and, <laughs> and that'll be part of the training is that no you can't this is not acceptable behavior hmm. and you don't get mad and blow up about it you just calmly say no we're not going to do this and and you escalate the, the the punishments as necessary to get them based to stop. on the responses. Yeah, uh. and some children you just look at them and and they cry and they're done. You know <laughs> they got it. Other children takes <laughs> takes a lot more. A little more persuasion. <laughs> yeah, a little more persuasion. And and certain kids need different kinds. So that's hmm. interesting. And and you have to recognize too, every every child comes with an Achilles heel of some sort. Hmm whether it's a medical problem or emotional problem or, you know, what have you. And you've, and you've got to teach them how to deal with it. And sometimes those aren't easy. Some of those are habits and disciplines that they have to develop to overcome mm -hmm. things that other kids never even have to think about. You know, you talked last week about depression. Yeah. And kids that have that have, have certain needs and other things that they have to build into their lives to deal with it, and you have to work with them to get there. That's true. Um, Everybody has their own particular Achilles heel, and I think uh, that's part of the fall. It's part of God's training, too, I think, and uh, you need to help them recognize that and get over that mm. or at least learn to deal with it. Yeah. And some parents have some children with some really difficult issues, Yeah. and they need a lot of support. But uh, we just don't give up and say, bah, that's the way they are. Let them go. Let it go. I mean, that's just the way they are. That's that's not a good place to leave it. It's certainly um, not useful for the child. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Or for you, as far as that yeah. goes. That's a good word. Well, I think we're coming up on time here. Lane, thank you so much, brother, for coming in and sharing. There's so much today. more that we were. I, know, I, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. We'll of, have to get you on again or talk yeah, about, like, I want to, you know, because you, you, you teach a parenting class also here at, at Hilltown mm -hmm. and be. I wish I could have sit in on, sat in on that one too. Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, like maybe we can talk sometime about dealing with you know media and uh, and music and movies and <laughs> yeah. and like yeah. the, the culture, you know, imposing itself upon yeah. how, how to how to protect but also shepherd. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, we'll have to have you back for some. Yeah, of that. I, those are those are challenges that we kind of skipped. The, our children were grown before the the, the technological. Yeah, the current cycle of technology but hmm. we did control tv severely yeah that yeah. was our yeah choices mm -hmm. yeah well thank you again brother for coming on and, and sharing so much wisdom with uh, with us and yeah. with the, the listeners here um this has been two guys in the bible if you have any questions for us or for lane please don't hesitate to reach out we can be reached at yeah. two guys in a bible dot podcast at gmail.com twitter handle at two guys in a bible facebook.com forward slash two guys in a bible and two guys in a bible dot org we'll forward all difficult parenting questions to lane exactly so lane will yeah, take all the hard good. ones <laughs> <laughs> well this has been two guys in a bible thank you so much for listening in and god bless thank you lane for being with oh, us my pleasure all right, thank god, you god bless